Hello and welcome back to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. This is our third episode. I'm Colin McFader, and today I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Clark Coffey. <laughs> lovely. Oh, that's yeah, so sweet. There you go. Sweet. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. That's awfully kind of you to say. Yeah, so today we're going to be looking at uh, Lesson 4 of the Herzog Masterclass, which is primarily about writing a script and oh. kind of Herzog's um, takeaways on, you know, the three-act structure and things like that and his kind of criticisms of uh, perhaps the way that people traditionally are taught to write scripts, but also um, some of his kind of stylistic differences, perhaps even between uh, each of us that... Um, maybe there's some points we disagree with or agree well, with. I'll tell yeah. you this. Just go so everybody knows, Cullen, so that you know. I'm just going to lay it all on the line here. I'm just going to tell you that admit, I'm admitting that this is the scariest part of filmmaking to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I, this is going to be, this is a topic that, boy, I, I need to think more about. Or maybe I need to think less about. Hmm. But, yeah, that's uh, the real question. <laughs> but yeah, but this is this is, you know, this is probably this is the area in filmmaking where I feel like I I am you know confronting that blank page is probably uh, well, actually without question it's the most terrifying aspect of filmmaking to me. So it's kind of a personal challenge that mm-hmm. I'm that I'm still kind of working on, and and I hear this from a lot of people that it is one of the more challenging aspects of filmmaking. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's my admission here before we jump in. Oh, absolutely. I can't imagine being someone who solely screenwrites as a career. Oh, <laughs> it uh, sounds mean, terrifying it, to me. It's an extraordinary gift. You know, people, yeah, people yeah. Who, who can write with consistent discipline uh, just amaze me. And it's, it's something that I'm trying to work up to myself. But, um, but yeah, and clearly, you know, with the amount of you know, I don't know, what do you want to call them? Self-help books or how-to books? Or, I mean, you know, if you look at how many books have been written about how to write, clearly we're not the only ones who Mm -hmm. struggle with this challenge because, my goodness, that's an entire industry unto itself. And some of these books, of course, have kind of, you know, become mainstays and and are referenced all the time. But, and I guess that can kind of segue us right into, you know, right off the bat, Herzog in this class uh just throws down the gauntlet is like three act structure character arcs who needs them <laughs> yeah 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 which is the most herzog thing <laughs> yeah and um, i mean it, which is which is interesting i mean so let's talk about that for a minute because um because it's you know i think uh when when people are taught screenwriting i mean the three act structure uh, maybe a five-act structure, but mostly for films, you know, three-act structure, beginning, middle, and end, character arcs, da-da-da-da-da. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of emphasis on this. Yes. Uh, yeah. hey, what, what are you, I mean, what are your thoughts? And let's talk a little bit about our own personal experience here. But yeah, so Herzog says, throw it out, you know. Um, but what do you think? I mean, I think similarly to a lot of the other things we've talked about, I think there's, a, there's definitely a, a use in knowing kind of the rules and then once you know the rules you can kind of break them and I think it's similar with writing in that I I think structure is important when you're when you're starting out or when you're learning it um, and in even in a lot of you know larger scripts I think that structure is very important but I also think that if you know what you're doing um, you can get away with writing a really compelling script that doesn't necessarily follow the format of of a, a regular uh, you know, three-act structure or, you know, 
with character arcs and things like that. And some very, very mainstream movies kind of lack character arcs, and, and it's the talent of the screenwriter that really, you know, I think yeah. you might have talked about this before, but um, like Back to the Future, technically Marty McFly at the beginning of that movie and at the end of the movie is, is essentially the same person. He hasn't really learned anything on a main character-changing kind of uh, scale. That's, that's George McFly is the character who goes through the arc yeah, in that film. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So I think on the merit of... That was you his know, name, right? Was that the name of the father? Yes. Is it yeah, George? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Playing so it's interesting. Them. Right. So there there definitely are characters who have arcs, but you're right. I think Marty McFly in that instance uh, didn't so much have the arc. It was his father, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And Marty was a catalyst for... And I think you find that in quite a few films, actually, where the main character uh, doesn't necessarily change much, but is a catalyst for the change of other characters. In I mean, film. yeah, even even these Sergio Leone um, westerns. Like, sure. I mean, it's not like T- uh, Clint Eastwood has no. a, a arc in any of those movies, None. but he definitely changes the settings around him and the yeah. locales. And that's very that's quite a common western kind of um, trope, really, is that like this mysterious stranger that is technically the main Comes character in. and the protagonist does yeah. not, you know, have a real, real arc or um, set kind of development through the movie but rather they're kind of more of a whirlwind yeah so so you're thinking so just to kind of uh like summarize so you're thinking it's good to know about uh something that you should be aware of but and and you're kind of saying that maybe you you should know about these things Mm -hmm. it's kind of that old adage of like you should you should know what rules you're trying to bend or break before you try to bend or break them is that what you're thinking yeah, because I think the thing that I think the one thing that uh, these rules prevent is messiness, um, mm. and they they're really helpful in streamlining ideas. So even if you know you go in to write a script that technically isn't a three act structure, and you kind of strip away that aspect of it, you can still use elements of that structure to streamline your script and to make sure that it's straightforward and, and concise. Yeah. Um, whereas you know the biggest issue I have with reading scripts from people who haven't you know even in the class that I teach. If a kid writes a short film, even that's you know ten pages long, yeah, um, and they very clearly don't have any sort of background knowledge on on screenwriting, is is that it's just kind of all over the place. It's one of those things that you don't really think about. Okay, what's even something as simple as just like cause and effect? Yeah, um, you can yeah. you can really easily miss out on because I find that most people when they write kind of go into this trance where they have it all in their head and it might not necessarily. There's translate no question, the paper. and I've definitely seen that too. And I've seen it even you know from moderately you know intermediately experienced writers there's no Mm -hmm. question i i want to like get a little philosophical here for a second sort of kind of um and you know and i have to say i'm torn i'm kind of sitting here uh exploring this idea with you and our listeners in real time i there's a part of me that thinks you know it's in my own experience i feel like a lot of my challenges that i have spent too much time analyzing uh, and mm-hmm. conceptual, you know, and kind of trying to wrap my head around storytelling conceptually, and and I think that that has led to a little bit of uh, analysis paralysis for me. And there's, you know, part of me that thinks that storytelling is an inherent capability within all of us, at least to some degree. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that writing would come naturally, but as far as talking about story structure, you know, I feel like you know, story is not that this is some kind of revolutionary thought here, but you know, stories are just external manifestations of our internal psyches, right? It's 
these are just when we write a story it's basically putting down on paper how our brains kind of work as human beings right we 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 go through life and take the experiences that we have and kind of present them to ourselves in a narrative right this is how we see our memories that you know we're our main character in our film Mm -hmm. and 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 so this is we we built like we're just storytelling machines basically Uh, it's how our brains work Um, and so I feel like it's you know to a certain extent there is this innate intuition you know kind of intuitive understanding of story right if I think even young children I mean you can have them you know tell me about what happened to your day or you know um and so there's a part of me that's, you know, it's uh, that it's okay to an extent this exists inside of us. And I think what Herzog, I mean, my interpretation is kind of like uh, he's saying, look, if you spend so much time trying to intellectualize, conceptualize, analyze story, that there's a good chance you're going to get in your own way. And I, mm-hmm. I think from yeah. hearing him speak, you know, that's what he's concerned about for himself, right? It's like, hey, I don't want to look too closely into this. Uh, if I start to dissect this stuff, I'm going to get self-conscious and I'm not going to be able to do it. And I think that's a big part of why he likes to write with such urgency is because he doesn't even want to give himself a chance, right? To, to, to start like thinking about Overthinking and, writing, and, yeah, right? and getting just, his own head. Yeah. It, it's kind of like, look, just write. Don't think about it. Just write. Um, and so I, you know, so it's interesting. I mean, I think... Uh, you know, and clearly there are a lot of people who think very differently and, and maybe it just kind of comes down to what works for you. But, um, you know, I, uh, there's another aspect of this too, which is like, I think one of the reasons his films are so unique and that his voice comes through so cleanly in them is that he does write that way. It's a very intuitive way of writing. Um, whereas if he were to have said let's gone to film school and read a bunch of books on how to save the cat or you know our story and all these you know things and he sat down and had his you know he put his postcards or his you know three by fives on the board and had his first yeah, and second, rearranged third all that. <laughs> okay what's my inciting incident or what's my mm-hmm. you know um his films would probably come out looking a whole lot like everybody else's films yeah definitely. um but then again, I think your point is really valid that, you know, uh, for people who don't understand story structure uh, it, and how to put that into a script, then sometimes you just have a big mush of nothing. So I, I don't know. Like, I, I really honestly don't know. I think uh, uh, I'm torn on this myself. Well, I think it's really interesting that you mentioned the thing about kids, too, because I think, honestly, if you think about it, the way that children learn to lie isn't through getting out of you know trouble or things like that more often than not it comes from um exaggerating elements of a story sure like you know i was on the playground today and my friend pulled out a sword and and we fought (laughs) goblins right and it's like you know kids lie like that all the time and and but they're not they're not lying really they're they're telling stories that sure you know that they just don't see the it's flair it's yeah, right exactly, it's they're, exactly. They're adding to the dramatic effect and so yeah and that so that's a good point too right and even going further than that i mean that right when you're a kid and you're playing with your toys and you have this little plastic figure um the you you build this entire imaginary world where you know it's it's all these things are happening like if you're you know um plain army out in the backyard or something which i don't know if kids still do that i'm old but you know when i, I mean, 40 I years ago <laughs> when i did that you had my little gi joe guys or something i mean you create this entire world right you're you've changed the setting and you've got these characters and 
Uh, I mean, it, that's storytelling. So I guess that's what I kind of mean is that I feel like it's this is intuitive um, to a certain extent. I guess that doesn't automatically mean that that would translate, okay, well, how do you take these ideas and put them into a written format and maximize their dramatic effect and make them compelling? Um, and so, you know, I, I think that that you're probably right to some extent that having some kind of conceptual understanding is really important. But probably each of us have to find kind of find our own balance of, mm -hmm. you know, overanalyzing versus, you know, allowing your intuition come. My imagination is that the best of both worlds might be to find a way within yourself to understand intellectually and conceptually, but then to kind of turn that part off when you're writing and allow that intuitive subconscious to flow. Because I really do think that's where the amazing things happen. I mean, I love films that have a dreamlike logic quality that aren't necessarily perfectly linear or make mm -hmm. perfect sense rationally. I, I mean, we have too many of those. I, I like films that kind of cut, that really kind of reveal an interesting subconscious. Um, well, I mean, and, and, and then likewise are able to speak to my yeah, subconscious, exactly. right? Yeah. So. I, you know, I, that's one of the things that I think really jumps out at me from Herzog's films and one of the reasons I really, really love them. So and At the end of the day, to me, it comes down to, in any creative art form, I think sticking to any rule is a mistake. Like, sticking into it too... Dogmatically. You know, such a... Exactly, dogmatically yeah. Is, yeah. Is, is a mistake because you find... And, you know, we sort of had this a similar conversation um, in our first episode talking about, um, or in a second, which was talking about film school, yeah. where it is, and it, you know, kind of comes back to this whole idea of do you, you know, do you just follow those rules steadfast? And then, right. because that's so incredibly mindlessly. constricting. Mindlessly, right? Um, kind of yeah. automatically. If you and I've heard them. people many times, uh, you know, in a, in a screenplay, in a perfectly good screenplay, not not my screenplays, but like screenplays I've written or, or sorry, read with other people. Um, and their complaint has been something like, uh, you know, well, I just didn't see a very clear second act break. And it's like, well, what <laughs> right, does that you're matter? Like, uh -uh. You know? What is that? Where does that, where does that, because uh, you of know, course, the story was compelling. Because my goodness, I mean, if you judged almost all of, or maybe all of Herzog's films in that manner, they would all fail, right? I mean, uh, and so, yeah, I think it's it's interesting and it's i you know especially like i put myself you know back into my more unexperienced self you know decade ago or 15 years ago and i remember reading screenwriting books and things and just thinking like oh you know okay this is what i've got to do this is how i've got to do it or you know mm -hmm. people who are in film school or something and and uh yeah i mean that can really get you in trouble um thinking that there's just one way to do it or this is how you have to do it and there's gosh and even further you know having lived in la for quite a long time i mean there's just so many film schools screenwriting classes da 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 and everybody seems to know like everybody is selling some like magic silver bullet for how to write an amazing script oh, and, yeah. I, I, and yeah. there's no question i can say that that's horse pucky anybody out there listening uh if you're kind of just starting out and you see somebody try to sell you like the top 10 secrets on how to write a killer script or something just run just run from that yeah. please lord don't spend your money on anything like that run from it because uh I, that's just boy uh that's just crap <laughs> well i can remember being in this facebook group for screenwriting and I, I remember I had to leave it because it was just so dogmatic. Like you would yeah. post something for feedback and 
you know, the people's responses would be something like, like some people were generally, genuinely helpful, but a lot of people would be like, oh, it's, it's, um, you know, your character description doesn't tell me about the man's height or his hair color. Oh, Lord. And it's like, you're, I'm sitting there just with my, you know, with my head, my face and my hands going like, what, what yeah. is this? And I think, I think a lot of that comes from a desire of somebody who, you know, again, because a lot of this does come down at the end of the day to talent. Um, but, but I think that a lot of the times it's the people that kind of lack that natural talent that go to the rules and go, well, I know the rules really well, so I'm just as good. And well, so they kind of become behind. dogmatic like that and kind yeah. of go like, you know, I can't, maybe I can't write a great script, but at least I know the rules and now I can criticize somebody else's script and make myself feel better because they, uh, you know, their script didn't have action lines like I write them, right? Yeah. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, well, and even just, I mean, even formatting is so, such a thing that, I mean, Herzog does mention that about, about, you know, formatting. Right. Uh, you know, do you, there's, there's about definitely script, a like, reason for it, but, right. but writing you know. Writing in prose versus writing, you know, uh, in a perfect script format. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, which I think he kind of mentions in this lesson that uh, for the vast majority of his career, he just wrote kind of in a novel form and prose and then mm -hmm. only recently that he started to put, you know, use, and I don't, I, and I've not read any of his current scripts in original formatting, so I don't know, but it sounds like moving more toward a quote unquote proper script format. I mean, um, I used to write on Google Docs and yeah. have to format every single margin myself, Ugh. which was hell. But that's how, uh, I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson writes like that, apparently still to this day. He writes in Microsoft Word without any plugins, and he there formats every single line. And I, honestly, there was, weirdly enough, a uh, rhythm that you got into when you were doing that. Like, it was like almost like you were operating a machine, like a typewriter, it's if like anything. It's like you're hypnotized. Um, you, you get yeah. into a trance. I mean, I, I'm, I, I've written on a typewriter, not, you know, a full script, but I've, I've played with typewriters before. We used to have one at my school, and I would type on it all the time. It was a lot of fun. But um, there is kind of that feeling of, like, so operating an like, old piece of machinery, It's right? like a novelty <laughs> for you. You're like, yeah. oh, it's like a typewriter. And I'm, like, thinking to myself, dude, I remember writing papers in high school on a typewriter. Then, yeah. <laughs> because Though the best one ever. it was I for remember, fun. Uh, it was, like, that's what we did. Like, that's what My uncle had. had one that was, like, one of the ones that you could type out you know your entire sentence and then hit print and it would yes. all print it out yes. so you didn't have to worry about whiting things out and all that yeah but, but, had a but um, memory. yeah but no i mean on, on that point there there is definitely a kind of the way i always describe screenwriting to um to the students that i teach is that it's it's just as much a technical blueprint and like document about the film as it is a storytelling device and the best screenwriters will balance both of those things to a point where, you know, reading a screenplay, a really good screenplay, doesn't feel like reading a novel. It feels like there's a rhythm to it. Like, you can feel the shots, and you can feel the, you know, the, the how the lines move into the next ones. And I like, you know, when I write, I don't I don't actually write all that much. I much rather get another, like, a another person to write for me, and then I kind of tear apart that script and, you know, make it, make it my own. But um, when I do write my own stuff, I, I really do like to have that rhythm to it and it's mm -hmm. not necessarily the way that a novel is written it's much more you know there's there's beats you can feel those action beats and you can feel um almost like the best screenplay makes you feel like you're watching the movie really <laughs> i mean well that's, and that's this is, kind this of the is interesting i think it brings up a couple points at least kind of peripherally is that i mean it certainly matters like who you're writing the script for so as mm -hmm. we're talking here 
you know, uh, we are kind of, you and I are talking about script writing from the assumption that the person writing the script is the director, right? Because, I mean, mm -hmm. we're talking about Herzog. He doesn't write scripts for other people. He, you know, um, and he directs his own scripts. So certainly you have a much, much wider latitude. And I mean, you can write a script however you want if you're going to be the director and if you are financing it, right? If you're funding it, you can write it however the hell you want. So mm -hmm. if it works for you, for example, where you write it in screen screenplay format and it's very visual and it has a very visual uh, rhythm to it because you're, that's what you need to kind of go back to it and use it as a blueprint for directing, then that's what you do. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to write it in a, in a kind of a novel form then and that works for you, then that's what you do. And of course, if you're writing a script to try to sell it if you're writing a script on spec or you know then that's a whole different ball game there yeah you know yeah you, you can't make those choices that are <laughs> you, you, know, you know it's yeah then that's a whole different thing and you really do have to stick to the uh, to screen screenplay formatting and uh that that kind of changes everything up that that really uh omits a lot of options for you but yeah i mean i think and that's where you know let's i think you know going back to read 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 I think reading a wide range of uh, literature is important. That will help mm -hmm. educate your, that'll help you find, I think, your own writing style that works for you as you're exercising your imagination, as you read, as you are working to visualize the stories, the characters in the literature that you read. You can start to kind of piece together uh, what works for you. And then, of course, writing. I mean, getting in there and writing. Uh, ideally, every day, at least some is a is a you know that's you talked you mentioned talent. I don't know. I might I might argue a little bit with you there. I don't know really what talent is. Um, I don't even know if, if uh, talent is a thing that I can't really define or understand. So I kind of just don't think much about it. Mm -hmm. I think I I think of like just working. You know, if you want to be a writer, write every day, uh, read every day, and just just do it. I don't know what inherent talent means or not. Uh, if, and let's say it even does exist. Well, if it is truly inherent and you can't change it or do anything about it, then what does that mean to me anyway? So, I, you know, just do it. Um, I think sometimes we have a tendency, I certainly know I've done this to myself, where you start, well... If you start thinking about it in terms of things that you can't control, like, well, there's this like innate thing called talent that's inside of me and it's just what I am. I, you know, I don't know. I guess I, I kind of, not to get too far down another track here, but I kind of would just prefer to be like, well, I'm either going to write or I'm not. Yeah. So do it or don't. And yeah. this whole thing about talent, I don't even want to waste my time thinking about it because it doesn't feel like it's a definable thing for me and if and it's not in my control. So just say bye you know i don't know if that makes sense but no at all. i mean i think of it more in, in a way of like of luck and that and some people are just ah. more naturally inclined to to be able to do something well but at the same time you know some of those people can be equally as good as somebody who just worked at it um and who didn't have that natural inclination yeah um and so it's completely to me it's more of a it's a moldable thing that might set someone ahead in circumstance but can be overcome yeah um but i also think i mean just on a, on a general note too about about you know format and and whether or not you should write every one of your movies in a in a specific format or things like that the two longest short films that i've made which each you know were around 25 minutes or so um 
they were both written, you know, they were both, neither of them had scripts, neither of them had screenplays. Mm-hmm. Um, they had documents that, that had the story in them, but, yeah. but the documents were more like beat sheets or, or like treatments that just kind of described what went on in the scenes, um, you know, for specific moments of dialogue. Of course, I would write out the dialogue, but um, as far as, as, you know, exterior forest day, um, you know, our hero walks into the clearing and pulls his gun and, you know, fires it. Like there was none of that. It was, it was, which I think is funny because for the shorter movies I've done, you know, the shorter short films I've done, um, I've done almost always had, had formatted screenplays. And then even the, the feature that I'm coming up on right now is kind of one of those things where, um, and as Herzog gets into later, um, where he says, you know, be prepared to throw out your script on the set. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things that with my producers we're really talking about. And this is a, also, to be you know specifically about this, uh, this is a screenplay that was written uh, by a treatment by somebody else that I then adapted into the screenplay format. So it wasn't even, you know, on that general note, it wasn't even just something that came right out of my own brain. It was, it was an adaptation of another work, technically. Um, and, you know, with the producers, we're, we're in this kind of talk right now about, like, let's just have fun with the location. You know, if something comes up on location, we're like, that actually might work way better. Um, and I, I think that a lot of people stress about that mm-hmm. and people see that kind of, you know, be again, be prepared to throw out your script if the dialogue doesn't work, blah, well, blah, blah. Especially and set. when you have no budget, which I'm going to yeah. assume yeah. that, you know, I, you and I are in that category for the most part. I'm assuming most of our listeners would be, and there's, I think there's no question. I totally agree with you. I mean, unless you're able to build the sets, right, or or lock down any location that you might want, mm-hmm. uh, you, you've got to be willing to do that. You have got to be willing to allow what's available to you. So whether it's costumes, actors, sets, you've got to be able to, to work with them, not even against weather. them. I mean, even something as simple yeah, as weather. Yeah, weather. Right, because you're just not going to be able to dictate it. And so then your choices are, well, do I work with it or against it, right? And if you are dogmatically sticking with your script and you're not using what's there, you're really cutting off a lot of opportunity for yourself. Yeah. So, And I, I think it's funny to look at it that way too, to look at it in a way of being afraid of it or kind of being against it. Yeah. Because I think that that's one of the most fun aspects of filmmaking. And of course that's subjective, for but sure. like I, I, there's I nothing more fun to me than just kind of being with a group of creative people on set. And, and I think that that's, you know, a really nice way to approach it in, in in that especially you know working with actors like your actors are if they are you know not even necessarily if they're trained you know you could just have someone who who's who's a great actor who has never had formal training but work with them like be able to sit down with them and kind of go okay how do you feel because if anything they should know their characters just as well as you know them and you can then have a conversation about you know what what do we want to do here what what's what's yeah. interesting and i think herzog really um, talks a lot about even his conversations with Nicolas Cage on Bad Lieutenant, oh, yeah. um, where they would have these like long conversations about the character, but it wasn't about you know scene to scene motivation or things like that, or what do I want in this moment? It was these really general conversations, and um, you know another example of that is Sigourney Weaver on Alien. Um, came from a theatrical background. I of, didn't know Herzog of, of stage. directed Alien. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a, it's, his, it's his lesser known picture. Ah, did he ghost um, direct that? I mean, Ridley's yeah, name's yeah. on it, but yeah. No, sorry, um, sorry. Ridley Scott doesn't actually exist, but um, it's just Herzog's pseudonym. <laughs> that's, Her- that's Herzog's like more studio blockbuster yeah, yeah. work. <laughs> um, but no, but he, um, so Sigourney Weaver in that, of course, coming from a stage background, um, 
had so much work on the character of Ripley, like this this binder, this massive binder of just notes that she'd made about this character. That, you know, half of that stuff, probably <laughs> the vast majority of that stuff, never ended up on screen. But I think that as directors and as writers and as actors um, and, you know, as the kind of core creative team in any movie, uh, you sh- that is always going to inform decisions. And I think both of you and I can really speak to this just because we both do have acting backgrounds where it's like, even if something as simple as, you know, what my character did yesterday never appears on the screen my knowing that will mm-hmm. inform the decisions that I make as that character in sure. each scene. And and, sure. um, and a lot of that can come from loosening up on your script and kind of giving your actors the opportunity and, and your cinematographer even and, and anybody the opportunity to kind of go, well, you know, where do I want to take this? Well, and I think, you know, to take it from acting back to writing, I mean, um, boy, and this is a topic we could just, I mean, we could spend, you know, a thousand episodes on just writing, of course. And, Mm -hmm. and there are podcasts out there that definitely do that. But, you know, a couple things, you know, so talking about problem solving, which just goes back to being able to be flexible and using what you have to, to tell your story, as opposed to trying to, you know, shoehorn something into what you don't have. I mean, I think filmmaking is, you know, probably 98% problem solving i mean especially as a director uh certainly you know producer as well i mean this is what you're doing like it's it's just a constant stream of having to be having to creatively solve problems i mean i just i've never worked on a film where there weren't just you know i mean every day was just a string of of uh, you can call them challenges you can call them opportunities but i mean no matter how well you plan ultimately you're going to get there and on the day you're going to have so many decision points mm-hmm. and you can kind of see it as like taking opportunity or as, you know, just fighting every one of those opportunity points to, to just, you know, stick to exactly what you've got on this, on the page. And at this level where, you know, at this kind of budget, you just, you can't control all the variables around you. You know, we're not, you know, uh, Christopher Nolan or David Fincher who yeah. can make a $150 million film and control every single variable, you know, and have such a like sanitized set. And then of course in post get to CGI everything the way they want it, you know? So, you know, not that they don't have their, their own challenges and opportunities and creative problem solving. Of course they do. But I, I mean, I just, I, I think that, um, that that's such an important thing to remember is, you know, to remain flexible. Um, it's just so key. And to see those as opportunities yeah. uh, and not get caught up. And then, and then you also, you talk about as an, you talked about uh, background or like the homework, the background work that actors do. You mentioned Sigourney Weaver and this huge, um, you know, uh, trapper keeper. I don't know why I said trapper keeper. I just, do you remember Trapper Keepers? <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I just imagine. I imagine Sigourney Weaver, you know, this is like, and this, when was Alien? Was that like 77? 79. I 79. Think. So yeah. I remember, I think about this, you know, Sigourney Weaver, she's young, and she's got this like purple trap, Trapper Keeper filled with all of her uh, alien notes. That's such an, anyway, I don't know where my mind's going, but I just imagine Trapper Keepers were cool. I miss them. I don't know if they're still around. But anyway, um, uh, you know, same as a writer, though, right? So, you know, uh, and this is, a, there's a horror film that I'm working on as a producer and working with the the, this, the writer of that script. We're going through the handful of rounds of revisions. And a, such a big part of what we're doing is making sure that that there is a universe that this script sits in, 
that mm-hmm. extends well beyond the pages. And, you know, I, I'd be interested to know, Herzog doesn't specifically talk about this, but my guess is that in his mind, he has a, a universe that these scripts sit in, and, and it, he may just keep them in his mind, but I think that's a big part of when he's writing, you know, a script uh, in a novel form, he's actually, that's a big part of it, is that he, you know, within the, the writing, there's so much more than what's going to ultimately literally be on screen but it informs what's on the screen in very important significant ways yeah Um, Yeah. and so in this particular film the way we're going about that is just you know working together as a team to make sure that this universe is consistent and and there's a logic to it at least within itself right Um, and that it exists well beyond just the pages so that it does inform so that there's a density and depth of of information there on the screen that's compelling that's interesting so uh things make sense and have purpose within its own little weird funky universe so you know but i I don't he doesn't specifically speak to that but i would be i would have been interested to kind of know you know Mm -hmm. but my Mm -hmm. my guess would be that that he's got a lot more uh there in his head than what you just see on screen i think that's pretty important so yeah i mean and that's 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 a great point because i think there's that just kind of like you said and very much in line with that idea of you know an actor knowing what their character did yesterday will inform the decisions they make on that day um very similarly you should know the rules of your world and things like that and the world in which even if you're writing a drama that takes place in this very real world there are still you know rules and there are still circumstances outside of your film that will decide factors within it um, as, a, as a caveat, though, as a caveat, I would say, um, be you know, don't I would say be, you can go too far though in that direction. Where and and I actually have run into this myself, where I've kind of had to stop myself. Where it, you you can get really caught up on that. Where okay, um, the cause effect relationships, the motivations, the you know everything that's happening has this like perfectly rational, uh, literal you know, train of thought that makes perfect, rational, literal sense. Be really careful about that, because I think that's one of the ways that you can really take away what Herzog's talking about here, which is... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is is that, you know, the reality is, is that the crazy shit happens in the world all the time. And and things are, you know, our human behavior, it can some time... I don't even know how rational it really is, actually. When you boil it all down, it seems that we're quite emotionally driven. So... I don't know. I mean, have allow that that space for your subconscious that things may not on surf on face value seem to make sense, or why did this happen, or why did that happen? But you know, I don't know. So just be careful. You can go too far and kind of analyze out. I guess this kind of speaks to the yeah. Whole, I, I think know. to to me, my mon- my mantra on that is kind of that the screen supersedes all. If that makes sense, in that in what you know. Way? So if I'm writing rules for a world, especially in something like where it doesn't maybe take place in our world or or there's very specific things about like horror or things like that where, you know, okay, these paranormal things do exist. What what are the rules around these ghosts? Um, what, my, my, what I always think about in my head is um, – and a good example of that is um, the movie It Follows, um, which – I, a lot of people loved. I thought it was okay, but it, it was yeah. interesting. Very I, it much. didn't. It didn't jump out. Um, yeah, I heard rave reviews, and I watched it, and I was, eh. 
Yeah, it was kind of you know it was it was it was a fun fun hour and a half or whatever it was, but but yeah. I, I didn't I didn't think didn't it was blow anything. Me away. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but it's a great example of like rules in terms of what can this monster do and what can't it do. And there were points, especially near the end of that movie, where they started to get a little fuzzy. And so that's that's kind of where I mean to to think about the, yeah. those things when you're writing. But at the same time, um, what I mean by the screen supersedes all is if there's something that happens in your movie on screen that breaks one of your rules, but what occurs on the screen makes up for it or um, explains it in a way that, that kind of bumps over it, I don't mind it. It's one of the reasons that one of my least favorite film discourse kind of topics ever is talking about plot holes. Yeah. Um, because I find that so mo- so often, if you're watching a movie, you don't notice the plot holes really until you think about it afterwards. Yeah. Um, which sometimes is an issue, but a lot of the times it's like I don't I don't care if if you know I have to wonder why that person chose to drive to that location instead of walk or vice versa or right, right. you know things like that. I think are so you know if if for, goodness, a great if example we... of that is um is Hitchcock with mm-hmm. uh I can't remember what movie it was, but Hitchcock tells this story about an actor walking out of a hotel door and looking up at the building across the street. And Hitchcock said, don't look up at the building across the street until you get to the curb. And the actor said, well, I can see the top of the building from inside the lobby. I don't, I don't actually need to walk to the curb. And Hitchcock said, yes, you do need to walk to the curb because you need to get into the shot and look up so that I can then cut to the shot. <laughs> the camera of, has to be able uh, yeah. to see you. That's and he was like, why. and then I have to cut to the shot of the of the building across. So I have to see you look up. And it, it's one of those things, right, where it's like logically, I mean, that's not necessarily a plot hole, but logically, yeah, the guy could see the, the building from inside. But sometimes, and that's kind of what I mean when I say the screen supersedes all, that there's certain, there's logic that occurs within the way a camera, you know, captures um, a scene or a visual that might not fit with the logic of your script. And I usually try to focus on the logic of that camera because at the end of the day, that's what people are going to be seeing of your film is is the is what the final camera captured. Yeah, well, and it's just who you talk about plot holes. I mean, I would imagine yeah. that if you looked at, if any one of us looked at our own lives, even our actual real lives may have quite a few seemingly plot holes to an outside an outside viewer i imagine quite a few but you know hey even in even insanity kind of has its own logic and rules but it's it's not something that we could you know dive into uh to the extent to which it it, the subject might demand it but um Mm -hmm. but it is just something to to think about and to kind of you know look at um and find your own technique in writing and maybe try both if you're kind of just starting off at a write, as a writer to just see what you can do, sit down. and But let's so let kind of like segue then into that. Like, okay, so we've talked about it kind of uh, philosophically, but, let, you know, Herzog talks about how he actually logistically writes mm-hmm. um, in this lesson. And uh, for him, you know, he talks about really psyching himself up, you know, and and, but, and this like really speaks to me because again, this is one of the scariest aspects of filmmaking to me. So psyching myself up is, is kind of key. But he talks about how he gets inspired. You know, he, he starts off by reading, you know, what, what he considers high caliber writing and he works himself up into, you know, he uses the word fury and he's playing Beethoven loudly. And, you know, this, this, you know, oftentimes on repeat the same song over and over and over. And he says that this carries him along, you know, and that he likes to write really fast. And he talks about writing entire scripts in, you know, two, five days. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? 
Uh, and how does that contrast or align with with the your process, Colin? I mean, I think it's really. I think everyone again has has their own method, and so I. I but I do kind of align with that. I, I listen to in very different ways. Um, yeah. So, like for the documentary that I'm I'm doing right now, that's just um, wrapping on the score. I wrote that by listening to uh, Heinrich wait, wait, Gorecki. Wait, 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 Colin, you're you're rapping on the score. Can I am rapping. Like, yeah. Can you give us a few? Well, I mean, lay down that, a like... beat for me, Clark. Later. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, that when I you know I, I sat down, I listened to Gorecki and his uh, Symphony Number no. Three, and I wrote pretty much the entire, which is like this this tragic, beautiful piece with this operatic mm. singer over it, and you know I wrote the entire narration on that. Yeah. on that over that score um and then there are other very literal times where i've written you know i wrote an entire script that was like kind of almost a herzog thriller this feature-length script to stravinsky's the firebird that well, entire let's go back. I, I, i'm curious um, like i'm genuinely curious i, I want to take you back even before this i so i'm just curious it's it's, it's always interesting to kind of hear other people's creative process Her, herzog shared his with us but i'm just kind of curious uh i mean before you even get to that point how is there anything that you do uh any kind of i'm kind of big on rituals we could talk about Mm -hmm. this but i'm curious for you i mean do you just like grab a laptop sit down on a couch and start writing or do you have a space do you is do you write at a consistent consistent time of the day or is it all over the place i mean i i don't i don't come up with ideas i think that's (laughs) that's kind of my my main what uh, do you mean by that so i'll anytime i come up with something a screenplay or whatever Mm -hmm. um it's from something that i've seen um, so it's not something that I've oh. thought of. Like, I'm not somebody that thinks up these things in the shower and then goes like, I got to write yeah. that down. It's always, okay. so an example is that, that the Hitchcock kind of parody, not parody, but the Hitchcock styled movie. I just did that short yeah. kind of yeah. experiment. Mm-hmm. I came up with that because I was standing at my window one night and a bus pulled up and then drove away. And I thought, oh, it'd be kind of neat if someone like got off that bus who I knew was coming to either kill me or something like that. Wait, and, and you don't call that coming up with an idea? Like, uh, oh, sure, I mean... <laughs> no, 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 I but mean, this is technically, curious. Yeah. But this is curious to me. Okay, hold yeah. on. This is interesting. Let's explore this for a second. So you're saying... just We're using you as an example because I think so many people are challenged by this by their, by this process. So mm-hmm. uh, we use ourselves as guinea pigs and, and kind of to contrast and compare to what Herzog talked about in the lesson. But... So it's interesting that you said I'm not the kind of person who comes up with ideas. And then you go on to describe how you're standing in front of your window and you see a bus go by and your imagination takes off. And you're like, well, what if, you know, this person got off the bus and they were here to kill me? And then it kind of blossoms from that. I'm, I'm curious, why do you feel like that's not coming up with ideas? Like, that's interesting to me. I see more of it as, like, the world generating those ideas for me. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm not somebody who can sit, you know, I've got friends who can sit down at a laptop and just throw something out, just rattle you know, off, just just yeah. rattle off a, a story. Whereas I'm someone who very much more like will kind of be signaled those ideas, and maybe that's that's one of the reasons that I, I prefer to get other people's scripts mm. given to me for something to direct, um, okay. because I can I then once I've got that starting point, I can go all over and I can I can tweak it, start generating ideas on my own, and go what if we do this instead of that and things like yeah. that. Um, but well, when it comes to the the like the creation of those ideas it's usually something occurring out of my control that i go that's really neat um 
Even another example of that is the the movie that I made for Herzog's masterclass back in 2016. Yeah, um, way back. Was way back. was created because I was taking in groceries from the car one day, and I thought, wouldn't that be weird if? And there was a car sitting outside of my house, and I thought, wouldn't that be weird if you know I was taking in groceries and I came back outside and that car had been following me the day before? And it's like, oh now now it's now it's at my house, and that was the the basis of that story that that I wrote and that turned into a movie. Um, and it always also involves music, which is weird in that, like, normally what will happen is something like that, and then I will sit down and kind of start listening to music that it reminds me of. So again, like I said, the Stravinsky, the Firebird, that mm-hmm. whole screenplay came out because I can't remember exactly what had triggered that thought. There was something with a pen. I remember I saw a pen somewhere, and I went, "That's that could be like a neat plot device if that pen had something inside of it, uh, which is funny. But, uh, but then yeah. I wrote this whole thing on the firebird by stravinsky because that was the music that i kind of popped into my head or even the, the screenplay that um you know i'm refining and tweaking with uh right now that the, for the feature that i'm directing um was gordon lightfoot um hmm. you know which is very different than stravinsky's the firebird yes, but i just, just was slightly. listening to you know especially because gordon lightfoot of course is from you know northern ontario which is where we are going to be shooting this movie and it just felt appropriate that felt i listened right. to to gordon lightfoot for um for that which you know it's it's interesting though now do you so it sounds like you've mentioned a couple examples where you're inspired by you know seemingly benign or mundane life things uh which i think is very common or and i think herzog mentions earlier in in one of the lessons somewhere being inspired you know taking what herzog talks about specifically you know um I think like for Fitzcarraldo, where, you know, he took one small little piece, which is the steamship being pulled over the mountain out mm-hmm. of what he considered an otherwise totally boring narrative mm-hmm. and made a film around that. So, I mean, do you ever find, so in other words, I feel like inspiration, of course, is everywhere. It can be in that pen that's sitting on the table. It can be in the bus that pools in front of your window. Um, it can also be in other works. Do you ever find yourself specifically uh, inspired in other stories and in, in literature or films? Because I very much do. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, Which is first, just one more uh, reason to read, right? One more reason exactly, to read. Exactly, yeah. 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 The first, the first uh, screenplay I ever wrote, full feature-length screenplay I ever wrote, was right after I had read those um, Zodiac documents, as I mentioned in the, the uh, last episode about reading. Uh, yeah, I read those that full file, and then I wrote, um, and that was a combination of that, and then I watched Fincher's Zodiac, and I kind of got this idea. So very much so is is the you know yeah the the kind of synthesis of those two things that came into something that was that was new and fresh. Now, when you write, do you do you have any kind of like you're, do you have a space that you've set up are you do you ritualize no, I, anything uh, do you have a time of day because we can kind of talk a little bit about some of these things but for you is any of that a part of your kind nope. of regular creative process no in fact the most successful writing you know stint i've done right lately was uh when i wrote i think 65 or 70 pages in a day yeah and i was sitting on a chair that's her style yeah yeah I, I was so uncomfortable the whole time too but i just could not my fingers just wouldn't i was like that's awesome. constantly like oh i should probably go and sit somewhere that'll be more comfortable but i figured that would that might ruin the right ruin the the, the uh rhythm i had going but that um, urgency that herzog talks about but no i think and i think it's interesting is in contrast with what you said where you said that you do you like that kind of ritual that that pattern whereas i i don't find that at all if i have something creative i'll you know even if i'm on a bus i'll pull out my phone and immediately start writing something in a 
in a notes document on my iPhone. Well, and that's, you know, I'm going to, for myself, it's something that I run into quite a bit, right? It's like, uh, you're not always, you're not in control of when you're inspired necessarily, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I guess it depends on the extent to which you want to write. Um, but I, you know, for me, if I relied only upon, you know, if I only wrote when I was inspired to do so, I wouldn't do a whole lot of writing. Um, and so, you know, especially to push myself through, you know, a 120 page script, um, Because, you know, even if my original idea was inspired, I have never had it be the case that I that inspiration just carried me through an entire 120 pages without any dips. Right. It just didn't it just didn't it just never happened for me. And so it's interesting, you know, Herzog, maybe that's part of I obviously never want to speak for him, but just kind of imagining, you know, he mentions urgency as such a vital aspect of his process. And I wonder if that's part of it. It's that, you know. When you get it, when you have that inspiration, write it like you did with that 60 pages. You're like, I don't even want to move off this uncomfortable chair because if I move, if I stop this, if I let this go, it might run away from me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, also, I think writing with great urgency, it kind of it, it, it forces you to separate the editing and the writing process. Now, Herzog, it's another aspect of his writing. He, he talks about he alludes to that he doesn't touch his stuff after he writes it, which is kind of wild to me. And. It's definitely not my process. I yeah yeah. Uh, but but you know when you write with right, it's kind of that uh, that old adage: write drunk, edit sober, right? Where he's and he even has a story where wasn't he writing on a? I don't think he was necessarily drunk. I can't remember if he was or not. But he's writing in the in the uh, bus full of soccer or football players, and everybody's you know throwing up and, and yeah. everything. But it's <laughs> it, it's you know for me, and and it, I, I think it you know maybe the take home for people is not that this is an advice podcast by any means, but, you know, um, to try a bunch of different stuff. I mean, I'm still trying. It's like, sometimes I find like ritualizing it works where I have, you know, I will read literature for 15, 30 minutes to kind of separate myself from the day, you know, to Mm -hmm. separate myself from all of the little, you know, the work issues or just life issues and things to kind of, uh, you know, to, to take me into a different mental state. It's almost like a meditation, right? And then I have a space that I've set up that I write with or I write in. And, um, and sometimes too, for stretches, it'll be a specific time of day that I will write. So I kind of I know to prepare myself for this thing with my rituals. And that works for some people. And, and uh, so maybe it's worth trying. Um, but yeah, I, you know, for me, it's like, boy, if, if you are somebody who is regularly inspired to the point where you have the energy to write a script, I, whoa, I am jealous of you. Um, but it's just not that way for me. Um, even if the initial idea is inspired, it's a it's a process. It's like a very, you know, and it's it's often tedious for me. So I've not been able to get to the place where Herzog is, where he is able to write a script in five days and he doesn't worry about it. My process is very different. Maybe I should put more time into trying the the way Herzog writes. But I mean, but, again, it's uh, one of those things, too, that once you have that amount of control over your projects, totality um you you can kind of make those decisions um i think as an independent filmmaker if i went to a producer and said i wrote this script it's the first draft and this is what we're going with i'd be laughed out of the building well, and i'd be requested at, at you know to, to go and write well, a new gonna, draft 
we're gonna well this this kind of will be an interesting segue into the next lesson which will be our next episode which is mm-hmm. financing first films but i would argue that at both ends of your career you kind of have this power right so uh, right now, I'm not writing anything for a studio. I'm not. I suppose yeah, the risks are low. I'm not right? trying yeah. to sell anything. Like I'm, I'm writing to direct, produce my own film with my own money, or you know, private investors or what whatnot that that we've gotten. And so I may be beholden to them in some sense, but I control that because I I set that up. I say you mm-hmm. know you're investing in this, but it's not like you're going to dictate the script or the story or etc. or how we tell it. So you have control over that. Um, and a, certainly if you use your own money, which, like I said, Herzog talks about in the next list. And I mean, you do have that control. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you do. And it's and it, we can talk about this uh, at different points throughout and in and, and the next episode and the next lesson. But, you know, your what your goals are, are really important. And we could talk. Let's talk about that actually a little bit here with writing. It, you know, what motivates you as a filmmaker, as an artist is so important. If you sit down to write because you want to be a famous director, because you want to break into the Hollywood system and be a car, be a cog in that machine, uh, and I, and I, 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 those are kind of loaded words. It's not that there's anything wrong, of course, with working within the studio system at all, but you know, it, it really does make a difference about how you approach this. If you are writing a script because you have a story that's burning inside of you to tell, and you have to tell it. And you're going to direct it. I mean, and you're going to finance it. That's just—it's such a different beast, right? Yeah. Than yeah. if if you're sitting down, like, okay, I want to be the next Quentin Tarantino, and I've like, you know, I've got to write a script that a reader at this agent, literary agent's office is going to be, you know, is going to think is great. And totally then blown da, away da, da, by. Yeah. And then right, and then I've gonna, you know, I'm gonna be, yeah, I'm gonna get into the Hollywood system, and I'm gonna be the next big director. I mean. Being motivated consciously by those kind of goals, I think, produces such a radically different film. Oh yeah, I mean, unless you're a spec script writer full time, I would say write for yourself. Like even if you're, well, I, I mean, I would argue. Writing, I mean, I, I, I would say always write for yourself. I yeah. mean, I guess yeah, that's, that's kind yeah. of my point. Is that yeah. this is what speaks to me about Herzog is that you know his films he's always writing from the place of you know and he taught he uses different analogies like the robber that's in your house right it, it's mm-hmm. it's he, that the story he can't not tell the story he can't not tell the story he's got to tell the story and so and and again just kind of you know i think herzog the way he lives his life the way like what we're talking about a philosophy of living and of art it's living in a way where you can open yourself to the world to such an extent that you can be inspired you know, to 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 create something so intensely that it's like all you care about is telling this story. You're not motivated by fame and fortune and prestige and, you know, all these things. Maybe those things will come to you in time, but it's almost kind of, you know, I just... And, and They're always going to come naturally, if that makes sense. I, yeah, right? I, I it's not gonna, you're not going to be able to force that. Yeah, and I guess I'm speaking to, to, to this to some extent because just of my time in Los Angeles and kind of being exposed to that whole... Uh, that whole mess, and you know, maybe we could just do some podcasts, some episodes on on that whole experience and all the stories I've got from that alone. But I mean, mm-hmm. it, but it is, it is really, it does, I, you know. And maybe if you're sitting out there listening and and you've not kind of been been a part of that machine, it's it might be harder to understand how easily you can get sucked into that, and it really does have a profound impact on your creative process 
uh, right? Because all of your motivations and intentions moving into writing and uh, it, it are so changed by, you know, if, if your goal is to try to make it and, oh, it's just, I mean, I've, I, I think that's one of the things that really, really, really stands out to me about Herzog that really I gravitate to him for that. It's a reminder to, to try to stay pure and, um, and focus on the story as mm-hmm. opposed to other external goals of success. But anywho, so... Yeah, well, um, I think we've pretty much covered most of the of the stuff that. Yeah, uh, that's that's a great place to. Uh, of the think. of this of the stuff of the stuff of the of the content that was in Herzog's fourth lesson. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you have any other uh, anything that we missed? Any other final words, Colin? No, I as think we just, wrap I up think, this episode. Um, I think that all sums it up really. Uh, sufficiently yeah i mean hey at least as much as we can do in this episode right of course boy mm-hmm. s- screenwriting could be you know it could an be entire it, it is i'm pretty sure there are <laughs> podcasts oh, there are. based yeah, there on are, that have hundreds yes. and hundreds of episodes yeah. which which i always imagine you know i always imagine herzog you know it's so funny uh you know, because here he is, like, look, don't over it, don't overanalyze it, don't intellectualize it, don't, you know, get out of your head, get into your body, and and do this thing. And so I'm always kind of, you know, that's I, I feel like Herzog's looking over my shoulder, his little like, you know, head floating here above me, saying, "What are you doing?" You know, <laughs> just yeah. right, just right. <laughs> but anyway, all yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, so cool. Well, well, thank you so much, Cullen. Uh, yeah, for thank your you. time this afternoon, as always, it's been a blast. And for everybody out there listening, I hope that our ramblings have been enjoyable and have maybe given you something to think about. Um, so we look forward to seeing you next week, where we will cover at Lesson Five: Financing First Films. Until then, everybody, have a wonderful week. We'll catch you on the flip side. See you guys. Bye.